and welcome to the Robot Dice Explosion podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Ollie. I'm Adam. And I'm a dad. <laughs> Which also explains why we're a little late. Which, yeah, I mean, he's almost six weeks old, so um, I don't remember the last time we recorded, but it's probably been two months since. It must be. Yeah. Um, so I, I would apologise for that, but... Yeah. Eh, it's fine. Priorities. Um, Seems reasonable to me. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, I was going to say, what, what have we been up to since we last recorded? Uh, that's my main thing. I've had a small child sleeping on me whilst I played a uh, surprising amount of video games in the middle of the night. I've moved into a maisonette. Oh, yeah, you I bought a house. Know. Yeah. Well, a maisonette. It's, it's a maisonette. House. You bought half a house. <laughs> yeah, half a house. Bought a bit of a house. Yeah. yeah a quarter half. of a house then. Yeah. <clears throat> half of half of a house. That's my son in the background. Might nice. not be able to hear him. Uh, I haven't done anything nearly as exciting as that. I've oh, gone abroad. Fine. You've gone abroad. You went went well, home. Yeah, I went to visit my parents. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We had to reschedule because of the AGM, but uh. yes, the, the club AGM. I've stepped down from Silent War Gamers as uh, secretary, which I've been doing for some years, five maybe, maybe four, four. I'm not sure. Something like that. Over I, the like 10, 11 years the club's think, been running, I've I been think there I'm most on my of the time. Third or. Third year, fourth year, something like that. Maybe it's all it's all a blur now. Well, honestly, I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've been on too many war games clubs committees. Things so I've <laughs> been involved in running in pretty much every single club I've ever been in. Yeah. This is the only club that I've ever been a member of, actually. And I think about eight, seven or eight years out of the ten, actually eleven now that it's been running, I've been on the committee in some capacity. I was a very bad chairman for a while. Um, mm. Then yeah, mostly secretary to be honest. But stepping down from that so that I can try and figure out how to care for a small defenseless human being. Um, keep the zombies up. Keep the zombies out. Uh, it depends on your definition of zombie. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to talk quickly about some video games that I've been playing. Um, and I'm going to start with uh, the Banner Saga Two, which I was a big fan of Banner Saga One, and uh, I played through two um, whilst. Like in the first two weeks that Owen was um, with us, and uh, then wax lyrical about it to Adam. You, you had played the first game. I'd played, yeah, played and completed the first game um, yeah. a couple of times. Still haven't managed to get there in 120 days or whatever it's supposed to be. But oh, really? I'll, that, I'll, I'll, I got I got that achievement just by not, playing through the second one. No, no yeah, the second one. Oh I did. no, the, the first, first one, one I had to make. Yeah. I think it's 105 days, but yeah, the first one I had to do a specific run through for that. Yeah. I might have to drop it down easy, just so you never yeah. have to rest. <laughs> Did I say we're talking about computer games? Yes. Right, cool. Uh, okay, expect uh, that from me a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm playing through the first one now. Oh, okay. It's, for anyone who hasn't played it, uh, which if you listen to a video game podcast or anything, you will know that it's quite, it's been around a while now. Yeah, the first one is not that new. third one came out this year, and I think they've been every sort of two years or so, but it's basically a visual novel with a tactical combat section. Yeah, time-based tactical combat. Which I think is really cool. There's very few dice rolls. It's definitely in the first game, the only time you get a dice roll is um, if you're sort of on the edge of, of hitting someone. Yeah, there's some 50-50 chances. Yeah. Everyone has strength and armour. Uh, if your strength exceeds their armour, you do the, the difference, difference in damage to them. Um, if their armour exceeds your strength, then there's a dice roll percentage chance that you'll hit mm. them. Um, and it's all on a, quite a small grid. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's... Yeah, I, I think it's really cool. Um it, it, some some characters seem very prone to dying. 
<laughs> yes, and other characters you think, wow, these just murder people in one hit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that does seem, might change as you level up, but there's a definite, right, so you're a bit rubbish. Could I swap you out for someone else? Not at the minute. There's, there's quite a lot of backstabbing that goes on in the storyline as well. Yeah, so there's certain stuff. characters. You might really invest in a guy and yeah. then he just dies. <laughs> Through no, it might even just be a story. Like you chose a story a option, yeah, and yeah. Then he's just dead. Sometimes, or it might be that you chose a story option and then you lost the battle, and then they're dead. Um, <laughs> or it's a character who could join your party, but you chose the wrong option, yeah, and they don't join your party. But equally, they might join your party and then they might stab you in the back in the storyline, so you didn't want them in your party in the first place, and you put a load of renown into upgrading them. So. It's a game where you should really commit to your choices. And in the first game, I did. My first game, I didn't look up any FAQs or anything. I just played it through twice in the end um, and stuck with my um, with my decisions. Did you make the same decision on the second playthrough? Hell no. <laughs> I, I, I decided that I'm not going to play this through twice because I don't know how much time I'm going to have to do that. It turned out quite a lot, actually. But uh, So I was like, there's certain characters I don't want to lose. Like uh, the prince, I put a load of... Oh, spoilers! Mm. For a game which is three years old. Um, there's a character <clears throat> who uh, I put a load of uh, upgrades into. And then there is a way that they can die in the storyline. Um, awesome. And I let that happen accidentally. And then I <laughs> save scummed it. Good man. That, yeah. That's how games are supposed to be played, right? That's, uh, okay, play it your way. There's that, two as, characters. I said, as, you enjoy. as I said, that's yeah. how games are supposed to be played. There's two characters that are with you from the very beginning mm. that can die just because of a decision that you make yeah. about food oh, yeah. halfway yeah, through yeah. the game. And so you'll have invested loads in these characters who are actually pretty useful. Yeah, And then you randomly and die because yeah, you, you picked option A instead of it's B. It's not even a thing you can stop. <laughs> which is the worst part about it it's just guaranteed well, this both is, characters dead I'm getting vague spoilers around the ending of the second game but I'm not going to because I'll I don't care about spoilers I'm oh, fine well, great I will stick to it anyway there's a character who is with you and um, I liked this character so I put a lot of uh, points into upgrading yeah. them they had some really nice abilities they ended the uh, Banner Saga 2 story with Break of Six uh, by an upgrade which gave him plus Three or maybe plus four. That seems um, good. It might be in break, being break seven. It was horrible. Anyway, and I was loving it. I was just walking over people. <laughs> I was going to say, that's going to help. Yeah, and then part of the storyline, he's the final boss. <laughs> <laughs> that seems unfortunate. <laughs> so I got myself into a situation where I was in a one-on-one battle against this guy. And I just, there was literally no way that I could beat him. And it's funny because talking to Adam, he was like, yeah, I just one shot at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then obviously hadn't been putting anything into this character. And I think, yeah. I'd, I think I'd maxed level, or no, I think he was level nine, which in Banner Saga 2 is, well, yeah, is yeah. just one off the max. Um, but I'd spec him towards crit and so the first hit just crit <laughs> for all of his health. I was like, this nice, is what the banner sort of two layers on top of the, the previous one. Mm. Like, quickly, like, the fact that I couldn't beat that final battle didn't mean I couldn't complete the game. Mm. It just meant the story went Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it changes the which story. Which I really like. Um, <clears throat> so Yes, it's very annoying when you have like, you, you need to be able to do this. Mm. I mean, I, I quit. The, the redone Tomb Raider the one where you tell an origin story oh yeah because the game was actually really good but all the boss fights were quick time event stuff um, and I eventually got to one and I was like I'm not having any fun anymore this game is not horrible I was enjoying it fair play but you ruined it so I stopped playing <laughs> so 
the thing that Vanasaga two layers on top of Vanasaga one because one is very vanilla. Like you yes. kind of you you know something is going to happen when you make it happen, except yeah. for when you're very borderline on their armor being higher than your strength. Two adds a load of uh, percentage chance things into the game. Usually you have to max out one of your stats and then you'll get talents based on that stat. Okay. And those might be, oh, you get 10% chance to crit. Um, and then you upgrade that again, you get a 15% chance to hit. Seems nice. Uh, and you can you can put charms on. I can't remember what they're called. Amulets or... Yeah, so they're kind of like personal enhancements. Or, yeah, yeah, everyone can have like one items. item. Um, there is a name for it. Totems? No. Uh, that would be Anyway. Uh, Runes? No. That would... But that wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Some, yes. Uh, and they will upgrade things. So, I mean, I, I, one character had a bunch of talents. Oh, yeah. And then she had uh, an, uh, an item which gave her plus two to all her talents. So she was hilarious. Mm, yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of percentage chance stuff in there which can make it um, quite interesting. Yeah. And it adds some new races and stuff. So I think it it kept the core gameplay, like the story, the way the story played out, um, mm. and keep th- that the same mechanically. But the, the fights... Um, we're a little bit they more a little involved more on. Yeah. not too much more although Tony I was speaking to and he was like oh yeah I was playing Banner Saga 2 I, did, I, I was really confused and I was, what was going on with the fighting mechanic I was like that doesn't seem that complicated wait have you not played Banner Saga 1 he's like yeah. no I'm like don't dude it does it does wait. Does force you through a little tutorial. Yeah, but you, you've yeah. got it's all about the story but, the but, fighting but, but, but is who, fun who, who starts a story game in the middle Tony <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so anyway I I, I, I really enjoyed it um, it took me about 23 hours to get through in the end um, it's a good, good game mm. I'm looking forward to playing the third one I almost just went and bought the third one straight away yeah I gave um, myself a little break because yeah. I played through Banner Saga 2 twice but I also was like well actually I should probably start Banner Saga 1 again because so I remember, remember the story. Happened? Well, and go into two with uh, characters at a decent level. Yeah, yeah. So because you do, there's a continuity mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So basically, it's, it's, I was a bit banasagged out by the end of that, and I thought I'd yeah. give it a bit of a break before going into the uh, third one. For me, I, I chose to play Banasaga two when once we'd had Owen because he was sleeping on my chest for like mm. three to four hours in the evening while uh, my wife got some sleep. And it meant I didn't have to move around. There wasn't a like, lot of twitching no, and no. stuff like that. Because previously I'd been playing Ori in the Blind Forest, which is like a Metroidvania like precision platformer. And there's some swearing involved in playing that game. And some <laughs> twitching. And I thought, oh, I can't play that. I ended up actually playing that after Band Saga 2, and it's fine. Um, turns out when babies are asleep, they do that yeah. thing. They're, they're good at that. Um, and I went from then, went from the precision and fluidity of the movement in Ori to... Hollow Knight, which is like a Metroidvania Dark Souls. It hates you and it wants you to cry. Um, so yeah, yeah, um, I've put about fifty-two hours into that now, <laughs> um, which is really good. But it's it's a very different kind of Metroidvania platformer. Mm. Um, much more combat, and it likes being difficult, being hard, and almost telling you nothing. Like you have to figure a lot of stuff out for yourself, yeah, and a lot of incidental storytelling. So you will some dialogue will just hint at things. There's no exposition in it at all, uh, if, which is really cool. If there's enough dialogue and stuff, that's yeah. a really good way of doing it. Mm. But it's all it's, you've got. To, you talk to the shopkeepers, and you get little snippets here yeah. and there. And you talk to some of the bosses, you get snippets here and there. It's, 
it also put a lot of effort on people to work out what's going on. Is it a bit like Abe's Odyssey then? Like where it kind of hate is it? It's each not... level's trying to kill you, and you just have to work out a way of not dying. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean with Metroidvania? Yeah. Yeah. So side scrolling. Yes, but not scrolling as such. So yeah, it's all left and right and up and down, and you unlock the map as you go, and you get abilities which will un- unlock areas that you couldn't get to before. Except you might have been able to get to them if you had destroyed a breakable wall that you, if you knew that, that you breakable didn't know wall was there. Yeah. So you can get to like really late game stuff really early on if you know how to get to it um so yeah it it, it's a very good game it's very hard i don't i'm definitely not going to 100 percent it because that's a whole thing uh but i've been enjoying that um so yeah played lots of video games turns out when you have a very small baby Mm. you can do that well, at some point, he'll do awkward things like develop free will and a personality. And, 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 and movement abilities. Oh, God. Yeah. T- teleportation and flying and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's mostly the climbing that worries me at this point. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of what I've been up to. And helped Adam move house. Yeah. Move Mason out. That was fun. Yeah. Managed to get that done the other day. I hadn't finished painting everything yet, so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and now I still haven't, because now everything's there. <laughs> no one and finishes painting anything. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you mean walls. Yeah, Sorry. walls. Yeah. Mm. So you, you just buy more stuff, don't you? Like another yeah, mason Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just keep, keep, keep buying painting. all these unpainted houses and just leaving them in boxes. No, wait. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so that'll probably be my day tomorrow, is uh, trying to catch up with bits and pieces, changing light fittings and stuff, so they're not all smoke-stained and nice. I enjoy that stuff. Like we, we inst- I installed dishwasher the other, uh, well before mm. Owen turned up because I figured that was a priority. Was, I think after I watched about an hour of YouTube videos and then <laughs> built yeah. up enough confidence <laughs> to do it for the first time and was like, well, I haven't got any way of telling if the electricity is definitely off, so this is a bit of a risk. <laughs> but it turns out it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just look, jab a screwdriver in there. Yeah, you'll soon you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you don't explode, you're okay. Yeah. So um, I, I played some actual uh, games. Actual games. Actual games. Not computer. Well, I've also played computer games. I bought the Deptus Titanicus miniatures, but I haven't played anything to do with um, that yet. I will consider that when you bring out stuff I actually want. For Elder, yeah. yeah. There you are. Um, which I figure is quite You're a long way away, so it's fairly um, fairly safe to say. Yeah. Because I'm not sure you will at all. No, um, no, no. It's, it's the game that got me into miniatures. Is Well, they... I saw someone reading White Dwarf in school, and mm. it had uh, the assembly instructions in the back or how to put a warhound together. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm, this is a hobby I need in me in my, in my life. I was nine. I never actually bought a warhound titan, so that doesn't it's make any sense. It's not that nice of a titan. Oh, it's my favourite. I mean, the new ones, the new ones with the, the, the Mars pattern with the round, yeah. rounded edge carapace. I love those. They're some of my favourite models. I don't like the Reaver. It's weird. I like drawings of the Reaver. I don't like the Reaver. <laughs> yeah, I saw someone had assembled it. It's uh, it's okay. It's, it's not much dynamism to it, which is a funny thing to say for the a massive Reaver has always robot. been a weird titan. Yeah. It doesn't quite fit anywhere. I'll get one. It is, it, yeah. it is, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to the Warhounds. Um, no, I've been playing... Um, well, we have. Uh, Rise of the Moloch. Uh-huh. Which is a world know. of... Oh whatever! It is. It's it's the same family as a as a board game, um, and it's effectively like a dungeon crawler, Victoriana steampunk dungeon crawler. Oh okay. Except yeah, yeah. it doesn't take place in dungeons. Mostly takes place in streets and houses. Okay. Um, and you 
um, semi well, it's cooperative, and then there's a, a, a evil guy basically mm. who controls the evil minions. But you're all uh, controlling people from the gentleman's club, okay? Which is every weird thing. So do you have all sorts of things you? We just swapped in a character for our last game, which is he's called Draco. He's a werewolf. Oh, okay. You have um, there is giant gorillas. There is Captain Nemo. Okay, right. Um, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So League of Extraordinary Gentlemen type affair. Of, of like Basically, take these historical um, with some weird crossovers. I'm playing a Twilight Knight from Kingdom Death. Right. Sure. <laughs> As you would. Yeah. I think it's Kingdom Death, anyway. Yes, yes, um, yeah, yeah. Twilight Nights. Okay. So, yeah, which is, is quite good fun, except we've played... We have the final battle of the, the first campaign to go. So we played four games, mm. and we've lost the last three. And how long does each game take, roughly? Uh, a couple of hours. Okay. We played one night at the club, basically. Mm. Which has been a little frustrating, losing some of them, because some of them we just felt like... Um, how could we possibly win that? I think partly because we had a, had a bad setup of characters. Sure, like I we had Sherlock we... Holmes in early, and he does some weird tactical stuff because the you have a, a an initiative mechanic where you have a card for each character and an NPC card if you're controlling NPCs, mm. and so do the bad guys. So the gentlemen always have activation one, but then activation two is one of some a bad guy card, okay. and so on and so forth. And Holmes could fiddle around with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we never really got any value out of that, so we swapped him for the werewolf, who okay. runs around and beats stuff up a lot, which is what we needed. A little bit more uh, yeah. straightforward. Also has an interesting uh, power mechanic. Okay. So, in-game, uh, the your character abilities are powered by something called ether. Okay. But when you spend it, you give it to the bad guys. Oh, interesting. Huh. Um, and similar, you have in between <coughs> games, you have like a market set up where you there's various locations you can go to and to give you artifacts or equipment or skills or whatever. And the all costs X amount of stuff. It's not actually a resource you have to spend. It is the amount of points you're willing to give to the bad guys to buy upgrades. <laughs> That's interesting. So you got cool stuff. Awesome. All of the bad guys' minions are now better. Um, oops. So it's, it's a bit like an it's an escalation mechanic. If you took like let's say Zombicide as a mm. really crude version yeah. of this, where you get better, but then when you hit a threshold, you start getting better enemies as well. Yes, it's the same deal. And you hope that basically you're specking in a way that makes you more efficient at yes. dealing with their very linear. Progression. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I quite like that. Yeah. So we've had issues with the minions, but I think they're a little bit broken once we've been playing against. Them. Sure. Killer clowns. <laughs> okay. Which is fine. So minions in this game have one hit point. Mm. So the special thing about these is that they ignore the first point of damage in an attack. Right. And they're also rolling three dice for defense, which means that if you want to be certain and of... How many dice are you rolling for attack? Normally? Six, maybe? Oh, okay. Okay. But, well, obviously not knowing what the dice mechanic is, but... Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it's a d6. There is... A, Variety of so you have like defense, attack, special, cover, so symbols on them, yeah, yeah, okay, symbols right, on sure. them, which are not that intuitive, I don't think. Hmm. Um, which is a problem, but whatever it is. Um, but it means you actually need to roll quite a lot of dice to have a reasonable chance of killing one of them, yeah. I mean, it's sort of making it twice as hard to kill them, yes, which so, is fairly significant yeah. in that game. 
so they're really hard to get rid of and they're not really worth the time which means that you then get bogged down it's i mean there's probably a broader discussion about cooperative games that try to be really hard and that's all well and good because it gives you a really good uh, feeling thing also when you we haven't been win. playing as good as we could have done so that's some of that as well yeah but to repeatedly lose is not fun until you until you finally get that win where you're like yeah finally but if you don't get that win mm. will you just a lot of people probably just stop playing and I suppose we've been playing uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 2 mm. and Season 1 does it as well where if you keep losing, the game keeps giving you resources yeah, you to help Yeah, it gets easier and easier for you. Yeah, which is, is, is attempting to balance things out. I don't know whether it would actually I succeed I because we've does, never got into a situation where we needed a lot of those resources. No. Uh, we struggled with the beginning of Season 2, but we're what? there. We've sort of reached a nice equilibrium now, I think. It was so. It was yes. a while ago when we last played, yes. and it'll be a while before we do again. Um, but yeah, I think there's a broader topic there. Of, uh, yeah. At what um, point do you just... Flip the table and walk away. Yeah, I think that's miniatures. I got a bunch of wrath, um, king, no, wrath of kings, wrath of kings, wrath yeah. of kings, um, which I'm I've started to paint. Yeah, um, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a later episode. But yeah, that's a different topic. Um, I started Banner Cycle One. Yeah, well, restarted it because I played the prologue ages ago yeah. and then just never continued. Yeah, for reasons unknown, probably because I got distracted by something like Sid. Yeah, I play a lot. Yeah, uh, we were playing Borderlands Two again. Yeah, yeah we'd be saying because you broke out the PS3. Yeah, because that's really good fun. <laughs> um, silly, I like I like it. Yeah, um, and it does one of the the things I like, which is all about like powering up stuff to be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and the whole like weird combinations of guns and special random. powers. And, yeah, yeah. Oh. I've okay. probably played more stuff, but... Uh, yeah, no, everything's a little bit fuzzy for me. A bunch, a bunch of other board games, because I've played quite a lot of board games, but... Sure. I mean, I've, I've got some more uh, Arena Rex miniatures, but I, they're still in their boxes. Um, They'll be unpacked eventually. Yeah, yeah, I'll get that. Once I'm back to the club, <laughs> actually playing games yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Um, but that'll be a little while. Um, yeah, been playing a little bit of Dead by Daylight. Which has recently been free on the PlayStation Plus. Um, oh, my daylight, I don't know. It's, it's a bit like um, hide and seek plus tag with serial killers. Um, <laughs> okay. Whereas you're okay. the survive, you know, you're either playing as the survivors or a, a serial killer, and the serial killer's got to try and sacrifice you on hooks. It's a very, it's a very horrible game, and if you're under eighteen, great. don't play it. Um, <laughs> you probably shouldn't have been allowed to buy it. Um, yeah, so it's it's a, a bit crazy, but it's a bit of fun when you're playing with your friends and yeah. stuff, and uh, yeah, you can just freak each other out a bit. It's, <laughs> it's weird. I'll have to look that up. Mm. Yeah. I know, I know that you've been playing uh, Fortnite before that a little bit. You yeah. are apparently a twelve-year-old. I'm completely <laughs> awful at it, mostly because my friends are all, uh, around about ten years younger than me, so they like to play it. So the yeah. guys from work, um, so I've been playing it with them. Again, they're the same people that I played Dead by Daylight with. And, yeah. uh, I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah, we can, that's fine. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Um, I suppose to let everyone hear that. Excellent. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just these are fun games to play as groups. Yeah. I don't know if I'd necessarily pick either of them up just to play on my own. No, I mean, I, I do miss the days when a few of us would get together in the evening and play like Halo Reach or 
Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare I'd love, two I'd love to do a four-player game of Borderlands 2. It would be amazing. Yeah. Because all the characters do something very different and yeah. people interact in really cool ways. So that's co-op, isn't it? When you yes, play it is. Yeah. Um, so, Oh, I've backed a Kickstarter. Oh, of what? Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh yes, yeah. Okay, so you you we've talked about. Uh, I, 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 I have talked about it at length before. Yeah, you've played um, through. You've annihilated that game. Now, yeah, you? I played it a lot. So um, they're doing a miniatures game. Probably. Yeah, Steamforge. Yeah, so you have. So we say a, a somewhat patchy history with board games. Yes, they. That is the Guild Ball massive success. There's been a bunch of complaints but, about their Dark Souls. Yeah, I didn't hear good reviews of the gameplay of it. And the gameplay the is okay. The fulfillment is the one that yeah. worries me more. Um, but it is whatever it is. Um, so that's... I mean, the base game is 100 quid. Mm. Uh, you get a ton of stuff. And that's it, pretty though. close to standard now. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not actually that games. unusual. Um Sort of 80 to 100 quid. Is yeah. We've got loads of massive PVC models. And then the add-ons are basically different bosses. Yeah. Um, so we're not getting that many at the moment there's an expansion to do like first miles which gives you another four robots and then we're buying the Thunderjaw mm. which is the iconic um, robotic T-Rex yeah and I think I think they said it was something like 8 inches tall and 12 to 14 inches long cool for 35 quid okay including and, and book cards and board including board and... sections and cards and stuff sure. that doesn't seem that unreasonable to me no um, I'm, I'm interested to see where they've because I know they've They've gone with essentially it's just lodges, isn't it? Where the hunting lodges, yes. which is something which is very much on the periphery of the actual computer game. Yes, it does give a good reason for what is happening in the game. Sure. Well, I mean, you you don't want to go. Oh well, you play as Aloy, and uh, here's the story section. Yeah. Off you go. Which one of you is the which one? Yeah, which one is the protagonist? And um, I'm slight. So the only thing is I, I'm slightly with some of the stretch goals because they have a lot of people in some of the stretch goals and I think most oh, people yeah, just want robots. That. It was interesting that they, they sort of front-loaded a lot of robots, quite a few humans in the box, and then a couple of the expansions like, hey, would you like another 30 humans? Well, so, I mean, one of the expansions would you get with the base game. Yes, which is Why, always uh, odd. How is it an expansion then? Yeah, but anyway. If I can't opt to not have it, it's not an expansion. Um, so that gives, that gives you bandits yeah. and it did just listed as 42 bandits but if you look at the picture there's at least four or five different types of them yeah so it's not but do you have a bunch of like bunch of the stretch goals are like different characters from the video games but they haven't gotten around to do all the robots yet and i actually think people are much more interested in the robots well, yeah. i'd certainly prefer robots what to human characters what would you be characters. more interested in post-apocalyptic or post-post-apocalyptic as the publishers of the video yeah. games said um humans in whatever form, you know, everyone likes a bit of Mad Max or whatever, but, or big robot dinosaurs. I'll have the robot dinosaurs. I'll, thing I'll have the robot dinosaurs. I think. Yeah. So, we shall see. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I'll play it. Fulfillment March 2020. So, okay, you'll actually well, have time. Enough. Yeah, I mean, that sounds that they've gone, let's, let's slap an extra six months on here so that people don't complain when it doesn't turn up. It's also, interesting enough, not a campaign game. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, there's, there's no between-game upgrades so, at all? Or? So the way it works is you basically go on hunts, but there will be about three smaller games in a hunt. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to, as far as I can make out, that is supposed to all be, be possible to do like in an evening, get okay. it together, 
play for a couple of hours and you will finish your hunt. But there's no, okay, you've done that hunt. Those characters will stay until you get upgrades and stuff. So in theory, as far as I can make out, you will then, for your next hunt, just pick characters. Just have a crack at a different hunt. And you will just... I mean, I can see there's advantages to that. I think other people will be like, well, actually, I really like having a campaign game. Yes. For me, the, the keeping that continuity between play sessions when I like to play five million different games over the course of the 44 nights in the year yeah, that exactly. I get to play games um, I, it, it's, it's unlikely that I would actually yeah, and to that, stick to it. and I was initially I was like oh I've, it would have been nice with a campaign game and then I'm thinking we're supposed to be in a Kingdom Death campaign I think the last time we played a game of that was February yeah, it's, well we've discussed Kingdom Death I think, not on the podcast but yeah. the problem is like the village building is good it's fun. It's awesome. But the fights are actually kind of tedious. A little bit. Yeah. Um So Yeah, I mean it would be nice if there were an option for campaign play. So let's say you had I'm, I am sure if yeah. Steamforce don't do it, someone will. Well if you had a sequence it of also doesn't seem games, that hard like to do. This first uh campaign or not campaign, but whatever you're calling it, like hunt. hunt of three missions or whatever mm. is this difficulty then the next one then the it, next it one, does next have, one does have difficulty if you're then picking stuff. characters for each one what you could do is just have the characters get better that you're available to you for each one or you could stick with the first characters plus upgrades yeah but it'd be interesting and the way as far as I can work out like the way skills and upgrades and stuff work is that you can either people go you have a deck which is also your hit points mm. and cards you spend to do stuff and things and skills you gain just go into that deck so there's no particular reason as far as I can tell why you couldn't just keep some characters it might unbalance the game a bit but you can probably finagle that if you mm. want to I mean it's very difficult to say oh here's this game it does a little bit of everything that everyone wants because that probably means it's going to do all those things mediocre at best you know mm. so they've, they've picked where they're targeting and... yeah which I think is something you're going to have to do you're going to have to yeah. be reasonably specific and go, like, the game does this it's a crowded market now. Yeah, which is why I think you have to go like, it, it, it's this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously Kickstarter, again, here's another topic for another podcast, but Kickstarter and the effect it's had on the industry and also how it's gone to, well, either you're a very, very small company and mm-hmm. you'll get your five to ten grand that you need, or you're a massive company and you'll get four million. Anyone in the middle? Eh, you're probably screwed. Well, let's have a look, see what he's at. Uh, it, I think it's probably... At about nine hundred by now. This is a podcast featuring man looks things up on the internet. Yeah, I know it's it's, it's super <laughs> exciting. Um, yeah, the eight hundred fifty thousand. Oh, okay, that's actually kind of modest. They're, they're, yeah, um, yeah, it's slowed down. The, it's slowed down a lot. Yeah, they're towards the lower end of the the Mantics and the Cool Mini Oh yeah. So is this a board game based loosely on the computer game? Yes. Yeah. Features a lot of characters. Which I haven't played either. So in... I am looking forward to playing it. I'm going to borrow it off you at some yeah. point. I'll. Because um, we've all got a PS4, mm. um, we don't play anything with. And well, of course, you and I don't actually have subscriptions to PS no. Live or no, whatever no, no, it's no. called. Is that what it's called? P- uh, PSN. Sure. The, the yes, PSN. You, you play online against yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't subscribed no, no, to that. No. So. Um, so yeah, and I mean, mostly it's for the cool robots for that one. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I can so. see that. I did. I did try to back the. Um, Trey Manor tried to do uh, plastic orcs. He's Redbox Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has some like a, a very unique take on orcs. Okay. And I was looking forward to the plastics, but it just it, it wasn't going to get funded. That just sort of dribbled away. It was a real bummer. Um, 
I, I, I hope kick, he just does them in metal or resinous. Kickstarter's weird like that, but yeah, 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 it is. Anyway, we have we actually have a topic. So we do have a topic for today, um, which I don't know. Do we do we want to take a quick break and then start in on the topic? Is everyone good for drinks? We just go straight into it. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Thank you to Mastercraft Miniatures for sponsoring this podcast. That's okay, mate. Uh, Mastercraft Miniatures produce shoulder pads and hands for Space Marines, Japanese scenery, uh, lanterns, and so on, as well as some animals like tortoises and birds and toads and things like that. Uh, I also stock miniatures for Eden, which is a post-apocalyptic wasteland game. Uh, they also, I also have some miniatures from Mal Miniatures and Golem Miniatures. Uh, both really nice, but not for any particular game. You can find Mastercrafted Miniatures at mastercrafted.co.uk, at MC Minis on Twitter, and Mastercrafted Miniatures on Facebook and Instagram. We should also thank Narbicus for producing our intro and outro music. He's not anywhere on the internet, so you can't find him. So... Uh, we're going to talk... This is very controversial, oh. but it's not really. We're going to talk broadly <laughs> about <laughs> on the topic of pre-measuring in miniatures games. Um, mm. Basically because recently Jason Enos, who's the, the main rules guy for GCT and Bushido, put yeah. out a, a, uh, a question... Uh, what do people think about it? Yeah, in so relation this, to it was Bushido. a few weeks ago, and he, he said, yeah, do people want pre-measuring or not? And then it got almost 400 comments um, on Facebook alone. It, it was pretty much like every discussion about pre-measuring I've seen for any game that's considering changing. Yeah, and it, it at times got a little less than respectful, I think, which was a real shame to see. Um, it's not really what I'd like to see from any community. Um, but for the most part, it was people just sort of digging in to their to their choice. To well, their I mean, that, that's why I went on, posted my view, and then just left and walk away. Because I've had these arguments before, and yeah. I didn't need to rehash them right there. There is a certain amount of, we you probably picked your side why we're we having a discussion, so let's do a podcast about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I I sort of float about in the middle. Um, I, I I I can see the points that everyone's got, and I mostly come down to let's just make the decision that's going to try and keep the most people happy. Which obviously you can't do; it doesn't work. It, it's a stupid I, idea. Yeah, um, you come down all, on the side of. I would like to pre-measure everything in every game ever. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Adam is the polar opposite, not the polar opposite actually, because we had a little chat mm. before the mm. podcast. But mm. Adam is is largely against pre-measuring, or at least against full and open pre-measuring. I would just like to caveat an awful lot of the conversation we're about to have with. I haven't had a chance to play Bushido with pre-measuring, mm. so I don't know how it's going to look mm. or feel. So it's mostly on what I know of that. Yeah. And I also don't play anywhere near as many games <laughs> as Ol and Ben do. Um, so generally speaking, I've probably erred more towards playing games that don't have pre-measuring. I'm not sure why that is, but I particularly enjoyed my first game of Bushido and my demo game of Bushido and then got really heavily into it and went mm. to a tournament, really enjoyed it, and I've been going to tournaments ever since. Um, and it's a non-pre-measuring game. Yeah. So if there are people out there going, oh, why didn't you bring this up? Why didn't you bring that up? Nah, oh, we are all going to miss <laughs> things. This yeah. is not an yeah. exhaustive like academic discussion. This no, is just going to be us talking I'm about. I'm not actually sure there's that many 
point because to a certain extent it's just personal preference a lot of it comes down to uh how you feel and how the game feels to you and your preference for that um what i will say is i think we should start a little broad rather than getting too bogged down into bushido well especially since it'll be in conjunction with uh an edition change anyway so very specific points is sort of irrelevant yes absolutely um and you just get into situations where someone will create an example which is Super specific. It's only ever going to reinforce their point of view because they'll have a counter to everything someone else brings up because they picked models in their head for <laughs> I can, it. I can, so I, I can see you've been on the internet before. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> well, why are we doing this? Um, so, yeah, I, I think, where do we start, really? Um, I think m- all of us got into miniature games when there was no pre-measuring. Yes, I mean, we all I, got into GW. I had, an in, I had an initial question to this, actually. Mm. Is it all Games Workshop's fault? As in, if Games Workshop has started with pre-measuring, because they have it now, would this even be a discussion? And with the industry just has been full pre-measuring from the beginning. Podcast <laughs> is it all GW's fault? Well, yes, but that is a bit more expansive. Well, yeah, but, but you're, you're right. Like so much of how we design rules, and there are plenty of exceptions, but so much of how we design rules are based on what GW did in the eighties and early nineties. Yeah, plus years ago. Mm. Um, because that's the way they did it. That's what we grew up with, and so you. So go, those are the well, ideas you have about yeah, how things work. You don't. You don't pre-measure. You have a role to hit. Or you have a role to wound, and then they have a save. So many games have taken that mm. and, and 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 run with it. Um, and it's actually kind of interesting to see GW have actually walked away from a lot of that in the yes. last few years. Um, oh, you're presenting the information differently, at least. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think to a certain extent we expect no pre-measuring. The older, the, the ones of us who have been in the hobby for a long time, we expect there to be no pre-measuring because that's what we grew up with. Yeah. When where's that rock lover going to hit? Well, I have to guess, and it's incredibly frustrating. Forty-seven when and a half inch on a diagonal that yeah. way, straight yeah. into yeah. the middle of yeah. the unit, yeah. and then you're like, oh, I missed. Well, now I have to rely on a scatter, and it can be quite fun. So the, I think this is something that Adam will, will touch on: is that actually. The uncertainty of no pre-measuring mm-hmm. can add a lot of fun to a game. It can add drama. Um, yeah, I like I like frustration, the risk Absolutely. a little bit in there. Yeah, of of not knowing. Uh, like, okay, could be is it is it a choice that I want to take? Do I want to try and get into that mm. combat if it's risky, or should I just go and do something that I know is much safer? but I'm probably going to be giving the first VP away or whatever yeah. the, the scoring is. Um, so in that sense, for me, it adds the drama and it adds a lot of more decision-making and it keeps it a little bit more free-flowing to not have the pre-measuring because you're not then testing everything and checking everything. And I know a little bit what I'm like and I'll probably be like, oh, if I haven't measured my distance to my opponent... I'm probably going to be letting myself down a little bit. So, so here, here you're getting into the argument of uh, if if all information is available to me, it would be remiss of me not to just gather all of it. So how far away is everything from all of my stuff? Therefore, what are my options? Which yeah. ties into the um, well, pre-measuring slows games down argument. Yes. And then oh, it's a case of, and then exactly what is options. what is my most important thing to do mm. then? Based on well, I know that model can't reach, so that's not actually a problem right mm. now. These other things are more important. Yeah, and it turns it into less, less of that risk reward and more of like, well, I know the situation, so 
you're still making tactical choices. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit more informed, which you think is and perhaps it, a little less dynamic. I think for me, it's a little bit, you're then not feeling the game as much as you are just thinking the game the mm. entire time. And I think this probably comes down to my personality type a little bit. Um, and again, that's probably why I maybe we have a lot of dis- yeah. Yeah, differences of opinion on that, is that I would quite like to feel the game I'm playing a little bit more than just have everything laid out. And mm. I do enjoy the Banner Saga, and as far as I'm concerned, that's about as much of a you-know-everything-about-the-game-as-you-can yeah, without it being chess. chess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's a puzzle. You mm. know, If you're going first, you can <clears throat> probably guarantee to win as long as you know... As long as you prioritise the guy who'll crush your armour. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, Ol, you kind of think the opposite with the... Pre- well, especially with time. Certainly that, certainly that has been my experience, that pre-measuring makes stuff faster. Mm. Because it takes up the whole looking at the board, going like, am I in? Am I out? I'm going to look uh, at that 30 mil base, and I'm going to mentally subtract 5 millimetres from it, and then I'm going to repeat it <laughs> yeah. as best I can for... F- Four repeats because that's how. Do I need to burst? Yeah, that that side of things. Which certainly has been my experience, and that is actually can be a significant time drain, especially on crucial turns mm. where someone's just standing there looking at the board and thinking and going like. Mm, but then not sure. they might be having that anyway, and it might not necessarily <coughs> be about the distance. Because if you're playing someone who's good at Bushido, for example, um, they're going to be putting you into positions where you have multiple threats oh, yeah. you don't want Absolutely. to deal with and also the you know the whole strategic overlay of i need to gain oh no no, no 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 you can definitely still stand there and think i just and think that pre-measuring takes out the aspect of oh i'll spend additional time thinking about am i in or not before i, I then get to the tactical choice i don't think that comes up that often which it is why i'm a little bit against the whole argument of the pre-measuring making it faster or slower actually i don't think that that's the argument from my point of view and again, this is maybe different to a lot of other people who are discussing it. I think I'm going to... It definitely, definitely does for me. I'm going to my experience. nicely in the middle on this oh, one. Because... <laughs> the, the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the measuring centrist, yeah. Um, so I I think that the person who is umming and ahhing for, for, for way too long about which model to activate because they're not sure which one is in range or whether your oh, no, is in range. Oh, no, person's going to be slow. That person what... is going to take too long measuring everything and then still not be able to make their choice within in yes. a timely manner. Um, oh, no, that's definitely... A, the person who will measure everything will be slow no matter. Yeah, because I've, I've had circumstances where they've taken forever over a decision yeah. and every model of theirs is within range of every model of mine. There is no, oh, yeah. is it Justin or not? Yeah. It, any, like in Bushido particularly, it very rarely comes up that you're thinking, oh, is that a millimetre different? Is that a millimetre out? It doesn't actually come up that often in games. I'd say like probably once a game I would expect mm. it to come up, like do I need to boost movement? Mm. Honestly, I, it, I actually think Bushido is slightly outside the curve for a lot of games when it comes to that exact thing. Yeah, Because the distances mm. are not very long. There's not that many models involved. Generally, they're quite close. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's not often that you're really just the out. I mean, straight into specifics. So, yeah, here, but while we're on the specifics here, yeah. um, I, I don't think the size of the board has a great deal to do with whether you are able to judge it easily or not. No, because in the end, you're just doing multiples of a unit which you've got in your head. Whether it be an inch, which you can look at a thirty mil base and go, "Oh, that's an inch," or a fifty mil base is two. So, okay, I can visualize that nicely, especially if there's a nice fifty mil objective on the board. 
But if you then expand that to... Well, and yours, other... yours are allowed to measure um, sort of controls and stuff. Yes. So you sort of already have a little well, bit in there, which That's a Bushido-specific thing that I want to get back to in a bit. But if you're on a six-foot-by-four-foot board and you're, you're mm. guessing mm. ranges, well, you know you're four feet away from your opponent, so you know half of that is two feet. You're probably well, guessing... you're probably only three feet. No, half of the distance to your opponent is, is two feet because it's a four-foot wide board. Yeah. Yeah. So that's two feet. You said four. No, no, never mind, never mind, continue. Continue. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, you, you, all you're going to do is then break that down because if you, you're probably doing it with artillery, really, if you're talking about a six-foot-by-four-foot board or maybe a charge range. Mm. But then if you looked at old fantasy, you go, well, I know how big that movement tray is because it's a multiple of 25 or 50 yeah. or whatever. So I can probably visualise that Anyway, in the same way as a small board. So I don't think the size of game I'm really matters. Sure. <laughs> because you would have had things in there where it can be quite close. And especially in a game like Fantasy, missing that charge could yeah. potentially just be like, uh, uh, that's it, game over. Oh, really? Because I was actually going to say that... what I mean, of course, this is with charges, whereas I'm thinking about artillery because I had orcs and goblins and I just had a lot of weird artillery. Yes. Uh, but... For me, it's like, oh, if you miss with the artillery, it's a bummer, but it was probably not going to wipe a unit. Whereas no. when you come to a game like Bushido, if you miss a charge because you're out of range, that's two actions from, oh, yeah, from you're, your you're, character. You are bone. Who's now stood there with his pants around his ankles because he's exhausted. Yeah, no, 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 no. That, that's really bad. Trouble there. But you have the same in games like Fantasy or something, where mm. if you miss with a charge, that's it, the game's over. Yeah. But then it's like if you didn't get first turn, that's it. The game's over in certain games like 40k. 40K yeah. <laughs> I'll just take off so, third, oh, a third of my army, shall so I? So there goes all of my good yeah, tanks. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think that's a different issue. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so, I mean, we haven't written notes down or anything. I'm not going through a, through I'm a surprised list. So this is going to be more rambly than it would yeah. be otherwise. But No, no, it would be rambly with notes. <laughs> <laughs> so timekeeping, I think, is a, is a really difficult one to argue either way. Um, yeah. for some people that, it will that... speed them up because they go oh the only reason that I'm not making a decision right now is because I don't know whether I need to boost or not or whether I can yeah, even make I, that action I th- yeah I think by and large the difference would probably be quite small yeah but so the other argument that you can have is for people who didn't like a lot of us uh, sorry as opposed to a lot of us who didn't grow up with games where there's no pre-measuring mm. coming to a new game where there is no pre-measuring can be quite frustrating because they'd be okay I'm going to do this action oh I'm a quarter of an inch out because well maybe I work in centimeters because yeah. I'm from anywhere other than the states or the UK um so maybe I work in centimetres anyway, so inches are a little bit harder, they're not quite as mm. instinctive for me, mm. and yes, I know it's quite easy to, to change them up, but um, but also, if, if they're taking an action and then failing it, and then that, that can feel really... It's it's not a good experience. It's it's frustrating, but not in a good way. It, like it, There are fr- frustrating things which can be quite it, fun. Yeah, you're right. I think it, it adds a failure point that doesn't enhance... The feel of the game. Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay, well, I, I lost, fine, whatever. And you haven't misjudged um, the matchup of the two characters for a fight. You've misjudged yeah, some it's, trigonometry. Which is where I don't, to me, the ability to uh, judge distances very finely is not a skill I'm particularly interested in. Sure. Like, it's a skill check I just don't care about. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, to me, creates a barrier for some people. I'm fine at it mm. because I've been doing it for 25 years. Yeah, so it turns out I'm okay. Um, but it's a skill check that I don't think is particularly important to the game. Mm. Okay. But the thing is, as well as it's like, okay, so you you can pre-measure to see if it's in or not, and then it's not, so then you're forcing yourself into other decisions. But And I'm okay with the idea of pre-measuring from your own guys. I think that would probably enhance Bushido a little bit, because it would cut down a lot of that speed element of, oh, I'm not going to reach unless I boost, now it's a decision on whether or not I boost. It might actually mm. make some people more aggressive, because mm. they, they rather than going, oh, I'll probably waste... You know my action, my activation, moving an inch forward. Yeah, by by missing that that melee, when they go, oh, I am actually going to get that melee. Mm-hmm. I'll do this, or I'm not going to get that melee, so I'll I'll pick something else, or I'll boost in advance. Yeah. But what I would quite like to not see is pre-measuring from my opponents to make sure that I know what their threat ranges are, so I can maximize my yeah. positioning. So because this I feel like perhaps, that... Sorry, you finish. I feel like that would take away from a lot of the thematic element and a lot of the, the, the like I say, the feel of the game for mm-hmm. me. So it becomes then a lot more vanilla, a lot more static. You know, you you're you're trying to outfox your opponent's positioning and make it as frustrating for your opponent as possible because that's then going to help you have more guarantees in a game. That I prefer to be a bit risk reward of yes, it might be out, it might be in. Is it a decision I want to make then? So. That's um, the puzzle I want. <laughs> <laughs> but Adam and I have spoken about, you know, I, I still think there's a risk reward there. It's, it takes away the risk reward of the measurement in, and just yeah. puts it into the dice, which it was there already. Or into the tactical choice of if I go in there and it works out, yeah. it's great. If it doesn't work out, yeah. um, then that's another thing that I just have to deal with. We're, we're rolling dice, there's already risk yeah, reward. Yeah, exactly. But I do understand that, like. And then so you, the, the you're thing, forcing. To make to force it so that your opponent can't, or or you know, so it's like okay, well, I'm guaranteeing this area is now mine, mm. and you can't quite get to me. I know you can't quite get to me, you, you so I'm that millimeter out. And I, I just feel like that element of it just really cuts into the the sort of cut and thrusts of the game a little bit. So perhaps the mistake that Jason made when he posted up this query, this this open question, was he basically gave two options now i think he also said you know any other discussion yeah. points great but but he he said no pre-measuring or full and open mm-hmm. pre-measuring now of course those are if you fall into either of those camps you're never going to switch camps and there's so much middle ground there and the the one that you like adam that is that okay we can have some pre-measuring but maybe you pick your character you declare their action then you can measure things or maybe you just pick a yeah. character, then you can pre-measure what or, they could do. You, or you can pre-measure all of your characters for what they can do. Oh, wow, okay. And then and then make your decision. But, but the thing you don't like is going, okay, so you've got seven models over there, I've got six over here. I'm going to measure everything that your models can do, yeah. and then I'm going to place myself outside of a millimetre of each of yeah. their threat ranges. While I'm moving my model, I'm going to switch to being on your side, and then I've completely lost how far I've gone anyway. So I mean, there's a strong argument there for it slowing the game down. Mm. If someone is going to do that... And the trouble is, yes, I mean that. Would, I don't think most I, people would go that far. I've not encountered someone who does. No, but I can see how if someone made that choice, like if you were super competitive, it really mattered to you to mm. not be fun, uh, uh, but to get the win for a tournament or whatever. I can see someone doing that. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say generally, what would 
what I've seen happen is potentially um, with the measuring sticks. Mm. With, uh, really important, like people will just put a stick on the board and they're like, oh, I need to not get close than that. Yeah. But, but that will generally be like, well, I need to stay away from him, not mm. everything, because but then, most games will also not function very well if you're that standoffish. But yeah. then it's you, you're, not, you're still not going to be doing that. But if you're measuring from your opponents to make sure that in your action, which you were going to do anyway, mm. because that was your correct next action to do, yeah. or your best option, yeah. and then you're measuring to make sure that you're staying away from that thing you don't want to be near, that also reduces the risk. You're guaranteeing that now, and mm. then that's that's then not like, oh, it could be, it might not be. I'm then handing that risk over to my opponent to say, I think that's slightly out. Let's let's see what you think. Are you going to go for it? Is that going to work out for me? Have I then wasted your activation? Great, because that's actually a part of the game is trying to get them to not do the best thing. Yeah, you like the psychological aspect mm. of that, mm. yeah. which I understand. Which again is another tactical element. Mm. It's different. I don't. I don't know where the solution lies because I would like to welcome more people into Bushido's mm. community because mm. I think it's a really good game. Um, but I also understand that there's a lot of people who are getting into games who just aren't up for no. that hidden information. And Bushido is a game largely of open information. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we play quite a few games where pre-measuring is allowed. Like, you've played quite a bit of Guild Ball and War yeah. Machine, of course. Yeah, War Machine. Um, I mean, so War Machine is an interesting thing because you change the full, full pre-measuring in the new edition. Yeah. You had a ton of stuff you could measure in the previous edition. Yes, and you would often use those things you can pre-measure to measure other things. Yeah. So in the end, you were actually pre-measuring stuff. It was just a really convoluted way of doing it for yeah. most things. So For me, specific to Bushido, and I'm going back on what we said, like, not, let's not be specific, <laughs> but that's what I would say. Um, my problem with uh, no pre-measuring in Bushido currently is the way that it's ruled. Um, define for me what measurement is. Am I allowed to check my line of sight before I declare things? Well, I kind of have to because well, otherwise... some things you can't declare unless you have line of yeah, sight. Yeah, so that but, needs to be possible. But is that a measurement? I'm I'm measuring an angle. I'm not measuring a distance. Yeah, but it doesn't say that. Pretty sure I haven't got the rule book in front of me. But equally, okay, so I'm going to declare a charge against that model yeah. over there. Am I allowed to check because I have to move uh, center to center? Yeah. Do I am I allowed to check whether I my volume is going to pass through some impassable terrain on the way? Is that measuring? Uh, probably. But we can have a nice argument about that, and then we have to call a judge over. It's not ruled on. It's yeah. not. It's not the, the the no pre-measuring isn't specific enough. And the real problem you get into is it's not with uh, when you're shooting, when you're charging, uh, when you've got a pulse key effect mm. or whatever. Auras are a problem. Because aura is a constant. Yeah, but you're, not, you but, measure but you're not allowed to put out... Because you can't pre-measure, you can't put out markers. Yeah. So my example to Adam earlier was, okay, so I've got an aura around my model. Mm -hmm. You move your model. Well, do I have to stick a little measuring stick next to my model to show its aura such that you can then avoid it? Or we can then see when you make contact with it and you have to stop immediately and we resolve the effects? Or do you keep moving and then we go, are you in the aura? Yes, yes you, you are. are a whole inch into it. Let's rewind Fine. and then do the thing. Or do we do, well, you've passed through the aura. You're definitely not in it now, but you, you would have moved through it. Well, I don't know where I came from exactly, so we can't measure that line or perfectly. if your opponent's already declared they're going to do that movement action anyway, are they allowed to measure from you to check what your aura is to go around it? That one's like definitely a no for me, but in the rules, it does. It just says you're not allowed to pre-measure anything. It's like, well, how, when I, do I measure that aura? Yeah. 
And yeah, is that exactly. a post measure? Because it's yeah, always because on. The, or because a... you, and you've already declared with you. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a. I do think that you've moved through my model's aura. Now you've got a fire two token. No, I didn't move through it. Well, you must have done because you came from over there. No, I came. From no, no, three no, no, no. I, I, I was, I was there, so I can just skirt it. But if I were <laughs> able to measure it whilst you moved past me, mm. then at the same time you could go. Oh no, sorry, I didn't actually mean to be quite there. I meant to be just a couple of millimeters to the left. So well, I'm so not in your aura. No one's Ugh. working out the mass of how you would have to move around an arc. I mean, the, <laughs> how the, far you can go. The way, the, the way to do that is to get movement steppers. <laughs> But that's that's a ball egg I don't want to deal with. Yeah, like, and, I, I'm just not that bothered. And steppers, I mean steppers, I think slow everything down. Oh, um, that that's a really yeah. I understand is, the attraction for them in Guildball because Guildball has uh, chess clocks. Fine. And yeah, this yes, spending your time. This is another argument I have against pre-measuring. Is that in Bushido currently, just for the sake of it, because it's the only game I'm playing that doesn't have uh, pre-measuring. That if. Um, if your opponent slightly overmoves or something, it's not actually that relevant because they're not measuring everything that they're doing or everything that you're doing. So I, I'm, I've had this in tournaments, and I'm just like, actually, I don't really care because the quicker everything gets going, the faster yeah. it is, and you know, the more I enjoy it. Um, again, other people might be like, "Oh, you moved too far there," hmm. at which point I'm like, "Okay, yeah, cool," Gen- because I'm generally, not checking it yeah, that much. It generally, you'll be like, oh, "You moved too far. I'm not going to kill you." Yeah, yeah, but, I, I, yeah. Okay. But then, if it, everything's it pre-measuring, then the measuring it and exact movement suddenly become a lot more important. I think mm. because everything then has to be exactly as it should be. Otherwise, pre-measuring. I actually find this has been my experience. Pre-measuring games is that the amount of stuff people actually measure surprisingly low. Yeah, because people are just not. Mm. This is possibly depend on how serious you take the game, but lots of people are just like. I could measure all sorts. Of, I, I remember like one of the I, Guild Ball game where I was like, I, there was a model that had a counter charge. I sort of knew it had a counter charge. I forgot to measure it if it had a counter charge or not. And then I stepped in, into the counter charge and I lost the game because of it. Because in Guild Ball, you can measure everyone else's stuff as well. You can measure whatever you like. But the thing with Guild Ball, and this is not necessarily versus Bushido, but Guild Ball specifically, it's very, you're on your chess clock. Yeah. You are do, everything you do in your turn is, if, you can do that. You can spend as much time as you like mm-hmm. pre-measuring everything but you're going to run out of time yeah. and you're going to and start conceding points automatically yeah. so you will lose um, with games like Bushido and others and Bushido, Bushido has a big problem anyway with um, time. with round times and yes. enforcing it because so much stuff happens uh, nebulously between the both of you've got the activation yeah. but then I get to make a bunch of decisions um, and there's no way I've heard and, people and say I'm flicking oh, through which, which special yeah. attack I want to do and yeah. I can't find the card but I've heard people say oh you could still do it with chess no. like, Bushido is already bullet pointy yeah. enough with the process you go through for a there exchange. is no way so I would like to play Bushido that. on chess clocks that no. seems awful and again like if you're talking about slowing a game down and taking the flow out of it mm-hmm. having chess clocks switch multiple times during the activation is the epitome of that I like, mean like, half the time I forget to actually switch mine on yeah so. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I've um, like oh yeah I've yeah. forgotten that. I mean uh, ultimately my dad might come down to the fact that Bushido's just not that well designed for tournament play because of the time aspect. 
Maybe, yeah. I mean, okay, I mean, a, a digression. Who who expect yeah. that? But um, I think you could probably make Bushido a four tone game rather than which, six, which I think would help a lot. Yeah, and do be- your scoring in the final three be- turns. Because the real problem is the way it scores based on turns. Yeah. It's not so much the amount of game you can fit into it. It's the way the scoring system works. I've definitely experienced um, over the course of the last year a couple of people slow playing for denying me a VP. Yeah. And that, whilst it is within the rules, is um, bad sport for, for me. It's like diving in football. Yeah, mm. it's part of the game, but kind of uh, fuck it, you. It shouldn't. Actually, actually, it shouldn't be part of the game. Yeah. You should not do that. Yeah, I am sorry, but you should not do that. Yeah, um, it's a real shame, um, especially as a lot of what we do prior to tournaments is work on making sure we're completing games within and like speeding up and working on ways to speed up the game. I actually. The last tournament, all of my games finished within yeah. time. Half of them finished very before time, yeah, was... mostly because my models were folded and just did not well, want yeah, to be part of any will, combat. That, that'll um, help, but I mean, I've I've always been quite a fast player. Mm. Um, I am not. I don't think any of my games ended on time mm. in the last tournament. But I mean, I, I it, I mean, but it's a advantage sometimes. You can put some pressure on your opponent just by going like, "I'm, mm. I'm already done. Do you go again?" Mm. I mean, I, when, when I face, because I am slow, like you guys are both faster than me, when I face someone who is slower than me, I will know what I'm going to do before they finish. Yeah. yeah. The people who are, are really, really slow are the ones who just watch what you're doing and then they go, oh, he's done. Now I'm going to decide what yeah. to do. And you're like, well, you already knew which model I was activating. You probably could have made some decisions that, already. So that, that, is, that is the bit I don't understand. But that's because when I'm, if I'm playing a game that I'm, I'm actually interested in, I will pretty much just be thinking about that for the whole time yeah yeah no because a lot of the time i'll find that in my opponent's first action i'll have thought about all of the things if that they're particularly so yeah. that i, that I yeah. think are probably going to happen in yeah. this entire round yeah so and then will, i'm just will, reminding myself you, you will have, a, you will have a plan yeah. for the turn and you'll revise it if unexpected things yeah. happen so but, to bring it back to pre-measuring yeah if you're allowed free and open pre-measuring yeah while they're doing that you're then able to just like measure absolutely everything you like but that is actually going to slow a game down. Because if you're measuring everything, and they're just getting on with whatever they're going to do, mm. if they're already quite slow, they're going to stop and, and go, they'll be super what's confused. he measuring? I yeah. mean, I would, it's going to put them off. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, what you probably want to do is go like, well, the person, even if you go like, you can measure whatever you like, you can measure whatever you like doing your own activation. I, I actually... Just, just yeah. to avoid that. Also, you don't need to know distances if it's not your activation, because you can do literally nothing about it. Well, but if you're planning for what you're planning on doing in your turn, you might as well be using your opponent's long thinking time yes. to do a lot of that in there. And there's another thing, that because on the thread, I remember you, Adam, said, uh, I want my intentions to be hidden. If I yeah. pre-measure things, then, then people will know what I'm going to do. And my, my counter to you was like, well, don't, because don't, then you'll keep it hidden. And that's, that's fine, because you if... don't have to, but let me finish. Okay. <laughs> but then what you could do... Is measure something else. Is you can yeah. measure something that you're not going to do, just to fuck with your opponent. I quite like that, because that's playing psychological games with them. I mean, I, I'll do this in games where I'll look concerned at one part of the board when I'm really not concerned about that part of the board. Whether it works or not, I don't know, but hey, any little thing I can get. Um, have you have you played group games, competitive group games with me? I do this a lot. You, you help people. <laughs> I am very helpful. Yes. It'll, and it'll be a good move for you. It'll be a better move for me. <laughs> or, or at least it won't harm you. Yeah. yeah. No, I... Yeah. Frick. Um, so... But in, sorry, yeah. just, just to join yeah, on yeah, to the end do, of what do. you were saying before. Um, 
the issue with that is getting back to my previous argument of if I'm not measuring it and I do like all did where I go into a counter charge that was a mistake and lost me a game, yeah, yeah. then I will feel like I've lost that game because I chose not to check something hmm. rather than and then and then it's Possib- then possibly on true. Me for being oh yeah. because I just like to play fast. I've played too fast and loose mm. and now, you know, I wasn't checking the measurements mm. and then it wasn't the perfect play. Whereas you don't have that currently because if, if you're playing a non-pre-measure game, because it's like, well, if I may, if I went slightly too far, or I think it's I just in a different place. Enough, I think the yeah. regret lies elsewhere. The regret lies it's, in, oh, I, I, I mis- misjudged that. Yeah, misjudged that, yeah. which is... Um, the, the regret lies in, oh, I should have activated the other model first because then I could have prevented that guy turning this objective. But the misjudgment or... happens either way if I'm not showing what I'm doing by checking. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm not then hiding it because yeah. my opponent still has the advantage. I, mean, I think the more we discuss it, I return to my original sort of stance, which was some pre-measuring, yeah. but restrict it. Because if it's just completely open... My concern is more with, if you want to restrict the nature of the restrictions, because I don't want to be policing my opponent. Yeah, sure. But you can make the restrictions pretty uh, clear. Hmm. So you could go, you you just... I mean, auras will always be a problem with this, I yeah. guess. But you pre-measure when you activate a model. Or you pre when it becomes your... T- I actually don't like the idea of being able to pre-measure from any of my models, from just all of them. I think you should basically go... I'm activating this guy. You don't have to declare what they're doing, but mm. activate them, check their options out, then off you go. That's fine for me because it won't really slow the game down. In fact, it might be slightly quicker because you don't spend the whole time going, oh, am I? Oh, what's but, I but then you might be like, ah, but I was hoping he was in range of that melee and now he's completely pointless now activation. now he's not. I can pull him away. Hopefully you'll have another key feat. I can just, you're still making a... I mean, yeah. look, the thing is, at some point you're always going to be making a tactical decision. Yes. It's just what information it, you're yeah, going Yeah, I was going to say, the, what we're really coming down to is the preference of what level of information do you want and where do you find the excitement in the tactical choice. Yeah. I don't think measurement is particularly exciting, so I just want it out of the way. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I, I like some of the drama around it. In a tournament situation, I don't want to be three millimeters out of a, of, of a melee or a charge and then find myself like the, the game pivots on that. That for me is a little frustrating. And like I say, for new people who aren't used to uh, having to judge everything or like that, if you have some accessibility issues and you, for so this is what we I, haven't talked I, about. I'm just not that going to be that good at measuring uh, judging distances. So accessibility is a whole topic that the three of us are going to have a real hard time talking about because all, all three of us are reasonably good at, at just judging distances yes. looking at a board. Mm. Um, I know something my wife, because she's not been playing that much, yeah. does not particularly enjoy because she just finds it frustrating. Yeah, and I, I can absolutely understand that. Um, I mean, the difficulty then comes down to, okay, well, you have a disability or, or an impairment which makes that hard for you. What if you also have an impairment which makes it hard for you to move your miniatures in an accurate and timely manner? Mm. Do we have to legislate for everything like that? Mm-hmm. And it, it's difficult to answer that. I, I would say everything that brings more people into the hobby is a good thing. Probably. The trouble is you get some people arguing that if you dumb it down so that everyone can join, then actually yeah. it's not going to be the hardcore experience that they want. I think you'll probably still have fun. And and 
they can still play it the way they want to play it. Yeah, you can house yeah. rule anything you like. That's fine. Um, you know, you it just, just means in tournaments yeah. it will be this other rule. Yeah, we can't cover everything. We can't. We can't cater for. We can't please all the people all the time or whatever it is. But you can. You can at least consider everyone's mm. situation as best as as you can. And if you can't find the best solution for it, if you can't make it perfect for everyone who has a, a, an impairment of some kind, that's fine. But I think it's worth it. it we should be thinking about it. Yes, and one of the, yeah, it should be one of the factors, and you should you should definitely upfront think about okay, this will cause problems for X. Is that a sacrifice we work to make in order to gain Y? Yeah. So color blindness. Yeah. So if you've got, you should at least consider the most common color blindness, which is deuteranopia. I think there's yes. another one which is deuteranopia or something else. And yes. I think they're yeah, both yeah, quite common. Confusing. Um, but they affects about one in six males. It is super common. Which is why it puzzles me that the game industry, notoriously yeah. male, has been so crap at doing yeah. color blindness. And of course, like Bushido's recently, they we as the retainers have been just like throwing things at the wall to see what sticks with the mm. card design. And, mm. um, recently, like a, a an iteration was was shown, and I think there was some backlash against that, which was some people were very angry. Which, unsurprisingly, it was shown on the internet. Turns out it was a work in progress. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that went through was like, oh, if we words like traits, which affect deployment yep. or pre-game, let's colour them red. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense to make them look different. Yeah. The trouble is that the background that you've got with Deuteranopia, red text will not show up against that background. That's an issue. And so you can't use red. So you have to use something else. And the trouble is that red ties in nicely with the wax symbols and the blood vial. Yeah. And you're like, oh, visually, red would look better. That would look really pretty. But actually, that is a concession we should make because that's one the sixth of the male... Like yeah. well, population well, are all, going to be like uh, and, and also there's a gap here <laughs> yeah. blank, blank, blank space can you tell me what trait that is <laughs> yeah I mean and someone could turn around and go well they could print that out double size in black and white yeah they could but should they have to no it's an easy thing to fix I think pre-measurement is maybe not quite so easy to fix but it's not no I, I think it's that hard I think depending on your game it will also affect have some important effect like I think we've, we've talked about Guild Ball mm. a couple of times and I think the fact that you can pre-measure is potentially quite important for some of the playstyles mm. so I think for instance scoring like teams that are heavy on scoring would really suffer if you couldn't because this that becomes because very exact the game has been built on this assumption we can pre-measure yeah so if you took it away it would suddenly mean that a whole playstyle becomes much riskier mm. whereas just going and beating people up will still probably be just about as effective as it is so it would tilt the game quite significantly I and think this again is the difficulty of asking this question of Bushido when you're going okay this is an edition which was based on no pre-measuring yeah. how would you feel if we said pre-measuring was okay and it's like well there are problems there there's a couple of characters whose key feats then become pointless mm. but in the next edition change that you know you've got the opportunity to mm. to re-address that situation I think with Adam's thing, like, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm a millimetre out. Mm. If everyone had a key boost for speed... That's one of the things I was going to come back to as well. If, if you have it up front, if you, can, you can it. build in a whole range of different ways of breaking that kind of deadlocks. Yeah, mm. but the trouble is then, then you've got like, okay, well, you can't really make a speed, a movement key boost 
cost more than three key. You could maybe go four key, but if someone's got a four key mm-hmm. and they're only generating one key, well, maybe they'll do it once per game. You probably want to put it into something else. But maybe at least you've got the option. But it doesn't even have to be something like that. You could have various other ways of boosting speed. It doesn't have to be a key boost. You could have various lower abilities. You can have abilities to let you move some of your own models. So suddenly he's no longer 4.1 yeah. inches away. He's now 3.9 inches away. Or 3.5 yeah. inches. And you could, because you could that model could do something else. Things. Yeah, yeah I mean, you could have an instant so, which creates difficult terrain. You yeah, exactly. So as um, long as you do it, I think, and this is the important bit rather than yes or no, I think the important bit is as long as you do it early enough in the design and then actually think about what it means so that you can make sure that the game works with the choice you've made, yeah. it should be fine. I mean, one of the things I really liked with uh, the later editions of Warhammer Fantasy and with Age of Sigmar is some randomness to the charge distance. I don't like how they did it because you've got a, you've got a variance of ten. I could charge oh, two inches, which is a fine. Oh, yeah, I, I think the, the way they do it is, is pretty awful. But I quite like the idea if if they had gone okay, what's your movement? Add d six to that because it's more predictable. I like some randomness there because that actually prevents you from uh, from going. I'm definitely out of charge range. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes, I know. I know what you mean. So, going to bring up slide of running thing because I. I really don't like that, to be honest. And yet, I'm also the person who for (laughs) several years played Dark Elves with the big unit of execution is with a banner that gave me D6 extra charge range. But that was because I knew I had the fixed 10 and then the D6 extra was effectively to be able to charge 11 inches Mm. because it gave you an advantage against other infantry. And I've had... The odd I've had game. standoffs where that the, would break. Exactly, and and I've had the odd game where it's like, if I can charge that unit, which is fifteen inches away, I will win. If I can't, I will mm. lose. And randomly, the game, the die just come up and go like, "Yes, you win." So, th- there would be another way to have random added to your melee or charge distance, mm. which could be, you take. Uh, Roll one d d six. Is it underneath your movement? Well, you got an extra inch. You could do stuff like that. Hmm. Would that just essentially go? Well, everyone's pretty much got an extra inch. Would that would would that work? I don't know. I, I think it would be too fiddly to be worth it. I mean, but... the trouble is with Bushido, you're dealing with such short distances that actually that it might just become too wide open. But maybe that would be quite fun. Could be because rather than dropping a load of key into you know, getting that extra inch, you are sort of you're taking the chance of getting that extra you're inch. Not just way. deferring the risk of am I in or not? To Absolutely, am right. I in or not on a dice roll? Every single thing you change is just deferring the risk. Yeah, it, it, to it, a it, different part it, of the it, game, it, and or it shifts the tactical choice you're making slightly, so yeah, yeah. it becomes on one side or on the other side. Yeah. Um, actually, I think ultimately in Bushido it will not matter very much which option you go for. So yeah, I mean the way I, I think where I actually come out at the end of. All the discussion, and I think we've we've probably not got too much more to say, but I think where I'd probably come out is like, we can talk about all these theories, we've got loads of things, oh, we can say how it's going to affect the game. Mm. I think, in reality, you get 10, 20 games deep into into pre-measuring Bushido, I think the game will feel largely the same. Mm. I think it probably will. My my experience with games turning pre-measuring is certainly there, is lots of debate, and quite potentially quite heated debate, as Mm. we saw with Bushido, which was a shame. Uh, it's fine people putting their for- points forward passionately, but when you, you don't need to be rude, you about can it. cross a line, yeah. Um, but that deba- debate, I mean, partly for obvious reasons that the decision has been made, but after the game is launched and people are actually playing with it, 
it basically just stops. Yeah, because that's the way it is. That's mm. the way it is now, and you you'll play slightly differently. I I the thing is, I recognise all of Adam's points, and I, mm-hmm. I see the logic behind them. I wonder whether in practice they will hold true. And the trouble is, we don't have enough time to play no. that many games. I certainly don't right now um, <laughs> to play that many games to really see if it works out. And the trouble is, of course, you and I playing Bushido with pre-measuring sure. will probably be largely the same as playing it without. Every now and then, I might go, "Is that ninja going to be a twat?" Yes, yes, of course he is. He is oh, but is he going to be an extra big twat? <laughs> but, but, I, but you know, I'm not going to pre-measure absolutely everything I can do because mm, no. that is dull. That's boring. It's not fun. It's also um, not relevant. Yeah. If we're in a tournament situation, I might pre-measure a little bit more, but I still don't think I'm going to be pre-measuring to the point where it becomes a problem. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we can talk so much about it, but actually, it might not matter that much. So I think, um, as well, like target Either abilities, way. especially ones which are kind of six-inch range. I think roses with stupid suddenly going to become very strong when you can guarantee you're within six. But you're also too far away for them to get you if they don't charge mm. or boost. Mm. And then you can start popping off stupid on things without having to worry about how close am I? This is the am I going to get reward attacked, with yeah. very minimal risk. Of which, course, yeah. the problem is that if you're really good at getting distances, you already have that. It's just exclusive to you. Uh, yeah. And okay, and six inches is quite a big difference between six and four. So you probably could. Um, but yeah, I think just those very fractional amounts, which it's just what I just don't want to see happening Mm. is people measuring to be able to get a very fractional amount. I mean, I reckon I can pretty reliably put a model between four and six inches away from another model. I can totally do that. But I was going to say, I think that kind of thing happens anyway. It's just that people are not measuring to do it, but lots of, a bunch of people, especially the really good people can do it just by looking and go like, I'm up. Yeah. yeah, I'll stand I, there. This, I mean, I'm this safe. is the problem with the three of us discussing it. Like I say, because we, you know, we got into these games in the early nineties. Yes, and therefore we've grown up with this skill, which we've developed over that time. Mm. And I still fuck up every now and then, thinking oh, something's outside do. of four inches, and actually mm. it's not. Yeah. So I boosted and I paid that key them. out for no reason. Um, but the. Yeah, again, I'll come back to the people who haven't got the last, Christ, how old am I, 35? So the last 26 years of playing these Mm. games. Um, I I was pretty crap at pre-measuring, sorry, at at judging distances when I was nine. Yeah. Um, But hey. I have have a related question. Mm. Should we just play on a grid? No. No, because then you move. For some games, yes. For some games, I fucking love that. But in other games, it just I th- Bushido. You want the situations where things are coming in at different angles. I was just going to say because to me, the whole grid or squares or whatever you like, it's not actually about distances; it's about angles. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. Thing, like... Grid's just measuring distance, but it takes away angles. Yeah, it well, makes I mean, more. It makes the angles of approach more predictable. Yes, I mean, that's, that's also, really I mean, I've been playing BattleTech, which is on hexes, so mm. you have slightly more. But yes, yeah. And I think with like when you're playing in such a small active area as well, mm-hmm. like is pre-measuring really needed? On the other hand, you could also argue will it actually detract? Because I don't actually. I think largely for Bushido, it will not matter. What pre-measuring we're talking about or grids? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I swung it back to pre-measuring. Pre-measuring, yeah. yeah. Sorry, um, no, I because I think. Grids. Uh, I mean, by and large, you're going to be close enough. 
But the facing is the most important. Like, not being surprised is such a difference in a combat to oh, yeah. being surprised that. And this is the thing, you, you already have to pre measure a zone is the of most control. Important yeah, there's a, a bunch of stuff you have to measure or check before you move anyway. This wouldn't really be that much of a difference. I don't know. I mean, you could just say, oh, you can you can pre measure from the model you've activated, and any auras and zones, zones of control can be pre measured by your opponent if they wish. Because then you've got at least a situation where you have to judge whether you're outside of that zone of control or whether you're going to have to stop immediately. Or they can put a tape measure down and go, you're going to hit that, and mm. then give you the option of avoiding it. I don't know. There's so many options in between. But, but equally, could you measure your own sort of control? Because then you can just measure your own and you can go around them anyway. Because sort of control doesn't change from people. But because you have to stop when you hit a zone of control, you, by definition, have to pre-measure that. Yeah, because you have to know where it is. Because if you, if that model's moved on, it's the same as my aura's uh, You still go around it. But yeah. Yeah, but, but then you, you have to know where it is. But, but how, why are you allowed to go around it? No, because if it's not a melee action and you haven't failed your melee action, you're not legally allowed to enter it, which no. means you have to pre-measure it in yeah. order to avoid it. Yeah, this is this is the problem. Where you come back to that, there's weird interactions where suddenly you have to pre-measure things mm. that technically you're probably not allowed to. But well, it's speaking, still, it's oh, still no. technically a post-measure because then you're 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 measuring to avoid something. You're not measuring to choose what you, you want you, to do. You measure before not you make contact. You mean you're, you're you mean you're you're measuring to well, avoid. I know what you mean. You're measuring to avoid an illegal board state. Yes. Because at the point you hit it, you have to move towards it if it was a melee. So I, w- I would like to see some. If if we stick with pre measuring, I'd like to see, uh, no pre measuring. I'd yeah. like to see a little bit more consistency about the way when things can be measured that will have an effect on illegal game states, mm. um, but also people's choices as they as, as they move their miniatures. Um, My guess would be, and this is no disrespect to the GCT guys, if we don't go to pre measuring, you won't get that because it's really fiddly and takes a lot of time to write. Yeah. Well, I mean, so something interesting popped up recently where it turns out the rules don't actually explicitly say in an opposed test that you have to take just the highest die. It says, huh. it says take your um, take uh, the number your, your number that you yeah. rolled, and if you've got any additional sixes, you can add one to that yeah. number. But it doesn't say... Take the highest. Take the, the, that, no, it doesn't say... It doesn't take to take a single die. Hmm. It's, oh, right. it is. Oh, so so I rolled seventeen plus. It's fairly obvious through context. Yeah. That well, obviously, mm. if the target number is six, I can only really be picking one of these dice. I don't certainly don't add them together. No. Um, but why would you take a five and then add one for a six when you could take six and add one from the five, or mm. add two from the yeah. six, getting the same results? Around yeah. <laughs> so, but it is interesting that oh wait a minute, that was never actually explicitly stated no, in the rules. Probably should be. All of us got that. But then I played Bushido for two years thinking that all um, uh, opposed tests were like melee and range tests where you just added up to two additional dice for plus ones. Mm. Whereas actually it's not. You only add sixes which give you plus ones. So you can either get a six, a seven or an eight. You can't um, get... Well, I mean, this this comes then back to a discussion about, well, how many different dice mechanics should you have? Especially how many different dice mechanics that look like each other should you have? Yes. The answer that, that is probably one. That, of course, is a usability <laughs> thing where they just look too similar. So people who... Like I don't have any accessibility challenges. No. I'm really lucky. I played that wrong for two years mm. because I just mm. it just didn't. I read through the rules, and because of the way it was written, I the one that stuck was the one that happens probably most frequently. Yep. Certainly, when you first start start yep. playing Bushido, you go, well, "I want to kill things." You don't yeah. realize that maybe it's more about scenarios. But the um, Oh, there was a reason I, I was bringing that up. I wasn't waiting for because that. Because <laughs> Adam brought up a thing where he goes, okay, so if you boost your movement, that's an instant. Mm-hmm. So if I declare a melee action, 
and I start moving towards your model, well, yep. I measure how far my movement is, it's yep. four, I'm out of range. Well, I'll boost. I'll boost that instant yeah. then. Seems okay. I'm in range. You seems, can do your seems, instant. That seems okay to me. So actually the way that Adam Rude's rules for that is you can totally decide whether to boost when you, when you've got once you've got the information. Yeah. You you're deciding whether to boost or not having declared that action. So you're yeah. committed to that action, yeah. but you still have the choice of whether to spend the key or not. You don't have to speculatively yeah. spend the key and then get shafted because you yeah. were Which wrong. Why yeah. I was a bit weirded out by you saying why can't what you know why not just do that where you allow the option to and I'm like well the option's already there. <laughs> but this is the thing: the, the option is there as an emergent property of the ways the rules are written. Yeah. Whether yes. that's the intent of the rules, I'm not so mm. sure. Um, possibly, I'm nearly, I'm possibly not. But does that matter? Well, a year ago, we had someone come on to the or the Facebook group and say, "Oh, uh, where does it say in the rules that I can't move through friendly models?" Mm. Yeah. And we're like, "Well, it doesn't." And he goes, "Well, I'm going to assume that you can." It's like literally every retainer here, and we uh, all retainers yeah. are saying you can't. Nobody, I can't find it in the rules that says you can't, so so I'm going to say you can. And I'm like, well... Shall I point out that's not how walking rules yeah, work? Yeah, well, it doesn't say in the rulebook that you can't take all your opponent's models, put them in a sock and <laughs> knock him out with it. Doesn't mean you can do it. Doesn't mean that makes you win. <laughs> yeah. And this was, of course, based... This person came from Infinity, where you can do that. So he took his knowledge of Infinity yeah. and went, I'm going to move to Bushido, and anything it doesn't cover, I'm just going to make Assuming, an assumption yeah. based on... And, of course, we do this, but with GW-based games. Yes. We go well. The assumption is, yeah, this, yeah. But I mean, there, and this there is are... my assumption with the key boosts. Sorry, that was yeah, where I was going. With that. I think I did actually go back on that, and I was like, but everything has a volume, and in the volume rules, you can't pass through a vol a, 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 a volume that is what's the word occupied, impassable, impassable. Yeah. Thank the thing you. is, nowhere does it state that the models, models are, impassable. are impassable. Uh, yeah, it does because it, it says doesn't. you can't pass through your opponent's volumes. So, so you know. So the interesting. But what about your own? Yeah. And of I course, course I was, was going to say. I mean, but I think she does so much about placement from different areas. Yeah. Well, I was so going to say also different. things like flying says you can pass over models. So the in, inference mm. is that you can't do it normally. And but, intangible mm, as well. Yeah. 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 You have to infer. Everything. Yeah. Then, yeah. Which is a problem. So, is there anything that we haven't covered with uh, pre-measuring that? Occurs to us now. I'm sure people. Oh, I was going to. Oh, yeah, I've missed like four points. But um, well, what have we done? We've done speed. Yeah, we've done feel. Yeah, which feel. is very subjective. Yeah, absolutely, and it's very much personal preference. We've done some game mechanic stuff related to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what other arguments there are. That, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. where where the risk lies. Yeah. If you want that additional element of risk and reward. Mm. And to be able to defer that if you decide, actually, I'm not going to move that character because it might not be. And I'm going to offer that for my opponent to have that first action. And then if it is, then... We've covered accessibility as well. Which then, of course, ties into that with, well, that person doesn't really enjoy that decision, whereas you and I might. I I would like to just... uh, There is some people I've seen make arguments about if you reduce um, to pre-measuring, it's like, oh, it takes, takes skill away from the game. Oh, I absolutely don't agree with that. Well, it it no, changes no, no, where the, no, no. the skill that, is. That is true, but then I would also like to change range attack to throwing dice at your opponent's models because it adds skill. <laughs> it totally does. But it's kind of a stupid skill. How yeah. many of these dice <laughs> hit is how many... No, yeah. Nice draw. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's... Hmm. I mean, it's technically not true. It is a skill to check. Um but it comes back to, I don't think it's a very important skill. But I do see Adam's arguments about, well, there's some feel to when you do the measurements and stuff. Mm. 
which will largely come down to personal preference. But that is an important argument to have. Yeah. Uh, about what kind of feel do you want for this? Mm. Which is ultimately probably what it comes down to. Yeah. I think probably we'll go f- end up with some pre-measuring because that seems to be the modern game industry. Okay, so this is something we haven't talked about is moving with the times. Mm. And in the end, GCT have a business. Yeah. And growing the hobby, growing their game is good for their business, but is equally good for their game. Because if Bushido, Bushido dies because not enough people keep getting yeah. into it and, and people leave in the end, um, obviously that, that's, that's shocking for all of us and for yeah. GCT. It's, it's really bad. pretty catastrophic. Um, so the onus is really on them to... Make sure it's appealing enough. Make sure that their game continues to grow. And they have to make this decision. Is is this a sticking point? Is this something which is going to hold their game back mm. from growth? Or actually, if it's, they go with pre-measuring, does that harm their growth? Because you get people who, you know, the the people who would consider themselves more hardcore, which is a phrase I really despise from <laughs> games, but video games. Um, <laughs> no, but, I think hardcore is will, the right Will, will it get rid of them? But then might that be a good thing sometimes? I, I don't know. I, I, I was sort of he- heading towards making that point that the people who who are very quote unquote hardcore about things are not necessarily that good for your community. Yeah, but I think not necessarily that that whether they're hardcore or not. But people that have bought into the game currently have already bought into the game. Mm-hmm. So if they've bought a load of models, they might buy the most recent one for their favourite faction, or they might buy quite a few, and they might keep up to date with it. So they might keep it ticking over. But what you really want is those people that are going to come in and buy seven straight off the bat. So that's well, hundred pounds. This is when I worked for GW mm. at retail for two years. It is a very small the, model. Base. The whole thing was like new customers are worth five hundred quid yeah. a year because they've got to buy a whole new army. Now, you've got some of your veterans who everyone thinks that they're entitled to a minimum of one new army a year, and they'll complain about the prices because they believe they're entitled to a new army a year. But it's the it's the new customers who are going to give you the most money and therefore mm. grow your hobby more mm. because they are dropping... you know Significant chunks of money all at once. They're also yeah. mm. the least likely to work out ways of doing it cheaper. Yeah, potentially. So I, d- I don't know, but... Th- yeah, it's a really difficult. And again, there's thing. also you've got to call it one way or the other. Mm. If if they're going with exactly what everyone else has, is it still different enough? I think the 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 core melee me- mechanics and the actual traits and the way the cards are and that kind of thing. I think it does. I think it is different enough. Mm. And I think yeah. the the strategy and the objectives in each game make it different. And do, does the feel of Bushido lie in not pre measuring? No. no. Uh, I, does it yeah. does it give some flavour to it for a lot of people? Yeah. yeah. But is that really what makes it different from other games? No. No, the the, the dice mechanic and the theme and the size of it, the board the, as yes. well, because there are very few games. Few. There's more now, but there are very few games on two. Well, I think also it being small, so you buy seven models and that's your start, mm. Mm. is good as well because then that's you you're not chucking down five hundred pounds on an entire army. Well, so it's, it's, it's not, funny, it's not that it? big a commitment. It makes Bushido financially accessible, mm. and also in terms of having space in your home to play it. I can I could fit like four games in in my sitting room and dining room, which are one room for those who aren't. Um, <laughs> you know, some people would be playing on a low table and so on. But yeah. I can do that. I can't even fit a six foot by four foot in either of the rooms because they're they're too narrow. You, you'd be really stuck for space. Mm-hmm. So, but the the irony of it is that actually the game is 
is pretty complex. It's not that yeah. accessible by its very nature. Mm. Um, I mean, we have people at the club who go like, oh, I quite like to play it. It's but just a bit too much for me. I mean, that was initially why I didn't get into it. Yeah. I started reading it and I was like, uh, I don't get it. This is just too much information I'll need to learn and I'm not going to invest mm. the time. There are some similarities with Infinity where you just have a lot of special rules. It's literally why I'm not playing Infinity yeah. because it's the only game where I needed the wiki <laughs> on my phone to be able to play it. Yeah. And As you play it, yeah. I didn't play it enough to make that the worth the effort learning it. Yeah. The funny thing for me is that when you look at uh, an accessible miniatures game, let's say like let's say rules wise, maybe like yeah. Age of Sigmar, forty k. Yeah. Although I think when you really get into it, dinner. <clears throat> The game, the, the special rules pile up even more uh, because they're not so common special rules. Um, but they require you to have so many more models. So this is really weird mm. sort of dichotomy yeah. where you have Bushido with so few models, really accessible in that sense, pretty hardcore rule set. Again, to use the word I hate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd quite like to see clan cheat sheets actually, which just has your yeah. traits for your clan. I mean, I, when I when I actually when I actually started playing, I wrote up yeah, I that for me because mm. it was like I need to learn these fifteen skills and keywords. The only way I'm going to do it if I write because flicking through the rule book is not going to be efficient. No, I, um, I did that for a tournament. Actually, my first tournament, yeah. after I played two games, went to a yeah. tournament. I was like, I need a cheat sheet. Yeah, so, so I've used one. Battlescribe a lot for other games, yeah. and um, I wrote the uh, initi- I initially wrote the whole of the Walking Dead uh, Kickstarter fulfillment Battlescribe data file, mm-hmm. and then handed it off to other people who still play the game because I, I just can't keep up yeah. with all the new stuff coming out. I'm not going to buy it all, therefore I can't enter the rules for yeah. it. Um, but I had a go at doing it for Bushido and. If I weren't to introduce authentic- list authentication, it would be fine. But it kind of is, it's really hard to, to make Bushido fit into Battlescribe. But the nice thing about Battlescribe is you would build your list and then you print out the summary and all your traits would be at the bottom yeah. of the sheet. I'd really like uh, a custom, I'd, I'd really like a wiki for Bushido with all the traits. So you can go, I, I want to build a temporal list. Who's got Indomitable? Because I really need an Indomitable model for the yeah. list I've got in mind. Oh, I have this choice of three models. Add this guy to the list. Now, personally, I can do the web development for the first half. The adding to a list thing is the part <laughs> I, I, where my coding knowledge breaks down. But that would make the game so much more like easy to, mm. to play through with, with your models rather than having to look up the traits in the I book. I don't know how the... The software development costs a lot. Yeah, I don't know, because Infinity have a, an online... Mm. I do realise we've gone way off track now. Do you have an online army? Oh, I think we've answered the question of pre-measuring versus yeah. no, no pre-measuring. Uh, I think we nailed that. Everyone's yeah. clear. Yeah, I, I think, I think we've, <laughs> yeah. we've reached a definite conclusion. I think the definite conclusion is it probably doesn't matter very much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, not for, I think for, we can all agree for, that for, there is... For, for Bushido. For Bushido, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. Um, we'll see. But oh, yeah. so I was going to say, because Infinity, I you know, have an online army builder. Hmm. I don't know if that does that, but that would be really interesting, especially for Infinity, yeah. which is very skilled. Yeah, based. please print out the actual rule that I need to know, not the other four levels of martial arts that I don't need to know. Or yeah. It is. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that for Bushido, but we'll see. I think we've probably run long. Oh, it's about an hour and a half, which is pretty good. So, Standard for, for our 45-minute podcast. Yeah. <laughs> seeing as everyone agrees that we've answered that question, mm-hmm. and no one's going to be arguing against us about anything we've said. We probably just because we're right. They will. Because <laughs> it's the internet. Adam, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> stop breaking my illusions. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so I think we'll call it there. Um, we are going to get together a little bit sooner than, than the two-month break. Yes. Um, it's, it still can be a little bit difficult for me to find um, the right moment. Um, luckily, uh, Owen has slept through most of this. Um, but, uh, yeah, so next time we want to talk about... Hopefully, it might change, because mm. we were going to talk we, about it this time. Turns out we're fiddle. came up. Yeah, uh, magpies. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, about dead games, uh, games which are no longer supported or are barely supported, and yes. how we feel about that. Is it good? Is it bad? Yes. A lot of people will be wondering how it could possibly be good, but we'll get into that Yes, next time. We have controversial opinions, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. You have opinions. You are controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Those two It'll things probably are probably happen. correct, yeah. yeah. We're going to talk some shit, that can be sure. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Adam, yeah, for yeah. joining so us. Thank you for inviting me. A- adding a valuable viewpoint. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, cheers yeah. for listening. Yeah. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Find Robot Dice Explosion at robotdiceexplosion.com, at rde underscore podcast on Twitter, and Robot Dice Explosion on Facebook.